It's February 26th, and this is the Cream City Pacers Weekly Rundown. Welcome to summer, everybody. What an amazing heat wave of the 30 degree weather we've been having. It's been absolutely amazing and it beats this nasty weather. I can't believe how cold it's been. This has been great to run in. I'm your host, Alex Bain, and as always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Apostoli Everniatis. We are here to bring you inspiring stories and talk to the Pacers who are making an impact, whether that's professional athletes, political figures, CEOs, authors, running leaders, or in today's case, running coach, track coach, cross-country coach, coach, Coach Joe Vitrano. We've been waiting for this one. For quite quite some time, quite some time, it's been on the it's been it's been in the vault. The idea has been in the vault, as they say, the CCP vault. For those of you that don't know, Joe Vitrano is Vince Vitrano's dad, and we had Vince Vitrano on back in the early days of the Cream City Pacers podcast. Uh, Vince is uh, a morning anchor at Channel Four, and we had an awesome opportunity to talk to Vince. And uh, it was actually, obviously you tell the story because you're the one who got this connection rolling. Yeah. So I was on Facebook once and I saw Vince's profile and on the top of the, the profile, it said something about running, not to be fat. Like, you know, in that little bio uh, spot where you can write a, something about you. And I said, and at the time we were always saying, who can we bring on the show? So I said, Alex, here's, you know, there's an anchor on uh, on a local channel. Everybody knows this guy and he's a runner. So I, we were trying to find ways. And then somehow I came upon a picture uh, with this man. He was pictured with this man uh, that is a very good customer at the restaurant. I didn't know who this man was by name. Uh, so next time I saw him, uh, when he came to the restaurant, I said, hey, I saw that you have a picture with Vince Vitrano. Do you know him well? Could you make the connection? And the guy said, sure, he's my son. And I said, wow, that's crazy. Okay, so Joe <laughs> Vitrano made the connection initially uh, with Vince. And uh, that was just such a blessing. But when when Vince came on the show, he said, I'm not really a runner, right, Alex? He said, I don't know why what I'm doing on the show. Actually, that's how the interview started. If you go and listen back, great interview. Vince said, you know, I I, I really don't know why, why I'm here. <laughs> so how he started the um so he's not a runner. He said, if you want to have a Vitrano on the show, you should really have my dad because he is a legendary coach in the Milwaukee area. And Alex, you can tell us a little bit about his his um his accolades. And who Vince Vitrano is. And now here we are. Two years later, Joe's about to come on the show. Joe, if, if you don't know Joe, let me tell you a little bit. He was a teacher for 40 years at Tosa East. He was a Latin teacher. 
which is incredible because it's longer than I've been alive. He coached cross country for 25 years. He was a track coach for 32 years. He also served as athletic director of Tosa East for a while. In 2006, he was inducted into the Wisconsin Cross Country Hall of Fame. I mean, it is so cool to think about how many lives Joe has impacted over his career at Tosa, whether it's students he was teaching or student athletes he was coaching. It is truly amazing to think the impact he has made uh, to people who are in our community or who have left our community to make an impact in other communities in the nation. And I think, I think that's really cool. And that's one thing I kind of want to talk about because I like to be older and be retired and be able to look back and have that like as what you've served and what you did in your life, I think is, is like truly amazing. And I, I think I find that inspiring. So I'm really excited for this, but in other news, you are back in Wisconsin right now, as in like you literally, your plane landed and you drove straight to your desk so we could report, record this podcast. Yes, I did. And I missed the good that you had some very good, weather days i was gone for one week and this was like the nice little stretch of like 50s and snow melting time i i which snow i'm happy it's not like I, was... I like that better a snow melting time yeah it... it was but it's good to be back it's good but what did i miss what did i miss in the world of running for for you uh it's uh friday sorry thursday was day 70 of the run streak wow. and let me so tell this a week ago no like Literally, if you're listening to this on Friday, because it's released yesterday, uh-huh. I hit 70, 70 days. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. It's not just I'll 70 days. It's 70 days in a row running outside. I know a lot of people are on oh. a run streak, so I'm going to like throw some shade at them and be like, I know there were some treadmill days in there. Not for Alex. All outside. No matter the weather. I ran. No pet, et cetera. No Pettit Center. No Pettit Center, no treadmill, no tready miles, no dreadmill miles, just outside in the cold. Is the Pettit even open now? It's not. For running? It is no. not. Nope. Closed. Man, crazy. Crazy. Anyways. Crazy, crazy, yeah, crazy. Yeah, it feels good. Anyway, ooh, ooh, but congrats. Ooh. That's that's amazing, man. Congrats. 70, 70 days. What's up? Fun, fun news, too. I just like cutting you off. I have so many fun things to say. Uh, Christina's mm-hmm. birthday was on Monday. So yes. everyone go happy wish birthday, Christina a happy belated birthday if you have not. But um, I got her a Theragun for her birthday. Ooh. And let me tell you what, we had like the did, hundred. Did you already have one? You had we had like a, like a hundred dollar version. The Theragun's a little more expensive. I know sick brag. I have money to buy it. I'm just, that's an inside joke <laughs> I have with friends when someone says something like that. Um, anyways, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but, but what? The, but it doesn't make a difference. Dude, it is. You... This is how I explain it. It's like getting a massage from your significant other to getting a massage by a professional. It is night and day different. Like you do 10 minutes with the, with the hundred dollar one and you do 10 minutes with the Theragun and it is like night and day. You feel recovered. You feel great. You feel loose before you're going on a run. It's just incredible. I should become a sales rep for them. That basically Peloton and Theragun, I should just be a traveling sales rep. You you should. And you also get in trouble by, by using that line, get people in. Do you really like the professionals more than my massage? You like the professional. 
Do you, like, here's the pitch. I, I'm sure Maria wanna, would say that. Maria would say that. I'm do you want to give that. your partner a break? Then buy a Theragun. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Well, congrats. Go. Congrats on the new acquisition. What's oh, the, funny. I've heard great things about him, so. Yeah, it's cool. Don't buy the Brookstone kind. Okay. Duly noted. Duly noted. I'm glad I got my point across to you. How How's your running been? Um great <laughs> for the for the for the for the circumstances listen man i'll, I'll hype it but uh, i'll say i ran you know a couple of times in the past week but or maybe three times it was good weather it's pretty surreal actually to be out there in california and, and, and you're going out at 65 degrees at like seven o'clock at night it's quite nice i'm not it's, i'm bragging i'm bragging yes but yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm, it's it's the last push of trying to run because I don't know what it's gonna be like when I when when the when the child comes. Breaking news on the Cream City Pacers podcast. Did you just say when the kid's coming? When the kid is coming. What I feel know. like we have some announcements here. Yeah, God willing, everything goes well. Yeah, it's an announcement. Uh, we've been keeping a secret. But a boop boop boop. But a boop boop boop. Boop, 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 boop. Okay, now you go. I'm done. I'm March 31st. I'm expecting my first child, and it's gonna be a daughter. And we're waiting. And today we did the 3D, the 3D scan thing. Uh, actually, as soon as I arrived at O'Hare, it was the 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 appointment was at that time. I had to miss it. It was the second time we're trying because she keeps putting her hands in her face, in front of her face, and inside her mouth. She's just being very active with her hands. Um, but I think she's beautiful. We can't get a clear picture of her, but not sure I'm going to get a lot of runs in, but I can't wait for her to be old enough to get a three-wheel Bob, uh, you know, uh, stroller that I can take her out on runs in the nice weather out there in California uh, or Milwaukee and on the trails. And can't wait, man. I, I'm, and I want to be like you. Maybe not with twins. That's that's a lot. That's more you just than want I can to be handle. Like but but seeing you, but with, seeing how you have handled being a dad. Sorry to interrupt you, but seeing you and Christina, how you handle being parents and how much you've grown as a person professionally with the podcast, with running. I mean, you're running 70, 70 days in a row, and Christina's making like PRing like crazy when she does marathons. Um, you've you've there's so many things that you've that have come out of being a parent and you handling so well. It's an inspiration. I appreciate you being in my life and I'm going to ask you for a lot of advice and you know that, right? It's coming. I'm going to call you in the middle of the night saying, dude, what, what do I, this is, this is insane. I haven't slept in five days. Go for what a run. I, go for a run. <laughs> go for, go for a run. Yeah. Uh, that's the, uh, dude, this is super exciting news. I'm so happy for you guys. This is going to be so exciting. In one month, your life's going to be completely different, and it's going to be in the best possible way. We're excited. I'm super excited. But let me tell Can't you wait. what. I know you're excited about like the running, the running thing. That doesn't happen for mm-hmm. like eight months. So like, I was, I was like, dude, we're gonna run with the girls, and it was like, dude, you can't like do that. Like it's they like eight months or something. That's like what the the uh-huh. rules are of it. So okay. you'll have some time, but. 
Uh, dude, this is incredible. Just hijacking Joe's episode with breaking news. Breaking news. I just have so well, much energy and excitement right now. I can't keep myself contained. Well, save that energy for Joe. Let's bring Joe on. Come well, on. I just want to get him on the phone call. I just yep. want to let you know, everybody, that we might be changing the name of the podcast. What, Cream City Dads? <laughs> oh, Cream City Dads for, yeah. Let's do it. So we do. So I also want to drop a little bit of news here, like on how we try to get guests. So there is another podcast out there called Dad Strides, and they're dads who are mm-hmm. runners. And what our true goal was, was to get have us do a dual show. And that's where Apostoli broke the news on this. But we couldn't, we did not make it happen. And we would before the baby came. So I am glad this was like a little bit of surprise for me on this episode because I didn't know what was coming this episode. So now I'm super hyped and I'm super excited to bring Joe on. Who's our connection to the the Dad's Rides? Uh, Jack Coyne. Stephen Lee's? No, Jack Jack Coyne, who we interviewed end of December. So go check out that episode. Jack's from New York. That's a good one. That's a great episode. That like holds a special place in my heart because... You already know this. He worked with Casey and Casey, like this podcast wouldn't be around with all that. And Jack's an amazing dude and it was inspirational. So what a great episode. Go listen to an episode if you want to hear who Casey is, but let's go on to Joe. Let's get Joe in here right now. Today we are joined by Joe Vitrano. Joe is a legend in the Milwaukee running community and specifically over at Tosa East High School where he was a teacher for over 40 years and coached cross country for 25 and track for 32 years. That is a lot of kids, that is a lot of running, and that is a lot of history. And I'm really excited to bring Joe on. Joe, welcome to the Cream City Pacers podcast. Thank you for having me. We are real. This is, I think, a long time coming. Um, for listeners that don't know, uh, Joe's son is Vince Vitrano, who is like guest number nine on the Cream City Pacers podcast. So <laughs> it was actually Joe and Apostoli when they were hanging out at Mimosa talked about it. And now today we are lucky enough to have Joe on. So this is exciting. And I know since you and Apostoli know each other, I'm going to let Apostoli kind of lead this intro here. So this is a new thing for us. Usually I ask the first question, but Apostoli is going to take it away. Yes. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for finally, we were making this happen. I know I took my time to uh, make this happen, but I will ask you, I'll ask this. Have you watched the movie Beetlejuice from the uh, late eighties, early nineties? Yes. Are you familiar with that film? Yes. So you remember how, if you say the, the, the name Beetlejuice three times, uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice appears and funny enough, your name has been mentioned exactly three times by three different past guests of the show. And those are Matt McClutchy, yep. who is the owner of Anodyne. It's uh, Vince Vetrano, that is your son. And yep. it also is the, the mayor of Tosa. Yeah. We had him on you a few months ago. <laughs> and um, so there you are. Now you appear, just like people <laughs> just have you on the show. Let's, let's hope under better circumstances than in the movie. <laughs> Very good. Point. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, Joe, this was uh, obviously I said you're going to ask the first question and now I'm stealing back your question.
We got a lot to talk about, but I want to kind of like bring it back to the start for you. You you've been coaching for almost more years than I was have been alive. Was running something you did growing up? Like, were you born? Would you say you were born a runner? You know, Alex, uh, I enjoyed, you know, running, but I, I I mostly played baseball. Honest to God, when I was a, when I was a young kid in grade school, I did run track uh, in high school. Uh, but then I, I, I really, uh, when I got to Marquette University, um, I ran cross country and track. I had never run cross country before. Uh, so that's, that's the tale of it. I, I guess, and, and you guys are probably very aware of this, but growing up when I did in the, uh, in the fifties, uh, we were on our feet all the time. I mean, we just were on our feet. We, we, you know, we ran around, we walked to school, we walked back. You know, it sounds like one of those deals where you walk 10 miles to school and then 10 miles back. Wasn't that bad, but you were on your feet a lot. You played on the playgrounds. Uh, so uh, the running as part of baseball or, or just uh, playing touch football or whatever, basketball, it was always a part of the sport you were in. And then when I got to high school, then I started running. Uh, I, I ran a mile uh, in college, uh, cross country, and then uh, I was actually running the 400 intermediate hurdles at Marquette, uh, simply because Coach Schimmick at that time didn't have anybody else <laughs> in the four, 400 intermediates. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, it's interesting, Alex. I mean, I, I never, coming out of college, I never had an intention to coach. It was uh, very, very uh, fortuitous for me. I, I got a job teaching at Tosa in Tosa, uh, teaching Latin, of all things, uh, at East and West High School. And when I was uh, taken around the school by the, the principal, Tom Knoisel, uh in June when I was hired, uh, we, we happened to meet up with uh, John Richmond and Roger Erickson, the two, two very very solid uh, track coaches at East, and they had a position open the following spring. And Tom Canoiso said, well, this, this young man ran in college, you know, he ran at Marquette, da da da, da. Uh, And uh, uh, John Richmond said, well, would you be interested in coaching it? You know, it was one of those things where you just go, okay, sure, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's how it started. Uh, but I, I – uh, I never regret it. I'll tell you that was it was it was a great career. I had I had the the very good fortune of of working initially in track with some very fine people. Roger Erickson, uh, John Richmond, Richard Hess. They were like mentors to me. You, you found out what it meant to 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 coach. You know how how to behave, how to act, uh, how to prepare. Uh, and so in that respect, it was very, very fortunate for me to be, uh, associated with those men. Uh, and then I, I, uh, subsequently the, the, my second year at, at, uh, in Tosa, I got the job as a cross country coach. And then from there, just, uh, as you guys, uh, outlined, just continued for years. <laughs> for years. That's, uh, that's so amazing. You, 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 you almost look back now, you know, like I'm, I'm. 
when you first hear like, wow, that's a long time coaching. It must have meant to be. And you take it back to the start. And it was like, you know, we really just needed a coach and, you know, Joe ran in college. So let's bring him on. And it's, it's, it's simple, but something like that, you, you fall in love with and it sticks with you for, for a long time. I mean, I just, I'm thinking of how many kids and athletes you were able to coach and teach through the years is just absolutely incredible. And like that had to be so, so much, that had to be so much fun. So in your first couple of years, um, coaching cross country and track looked a lot different than it did at the end of your career. Uh, how did you kind of see the sport evolve, you know, through the eyes of a coach over, you know, a few decades? Well, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, I guess the biggest thing for me in terms of cross country would be the fact that, um, I eventually joined the uh, Wisconsin Cross Country Coaches Association and came to be associated with some truly quality coaches. Bob Reimer over at Mark, uh, Menominee Falls, uh, Bill Greiton at Racine Case. Uh, I had uh, Coach Carney, Jim Carney at Marquette, uh, uh, Chuck Bradley at Kenosha Tremper. Uh, I became associated with them through the uh, Cross Country Coaches Association. Eventually, uh, with the help of of those men, we founded the Wisconsin Cross Country Coaches Association Clinic, which was an annual clinic held in January for all the cross country coaches in the state of Wisconsin. And that's that's where I saw the most improvement, honestly, we had, I guess you'd say, minimal attendance at the start, but it grew. And we had our 40th year in 2019, and we were attracting uh, over 200 people uh, for this, 200 coaches. Uh, what it did was create, I think, just a, a, a really fine pool of cross-country coaches in Wisconsin. Cross-country in Wisconsin is fantastic. You guys know this. I mean, it, we have produced so many quality distance runners. Uh, and, and you like to think that a lot of that is due to the fact that the popularity uh, and the expertise grew from that clinic and, uh, and uh, uh, helped all these people, you know, just develop their programs. Uh, so that's, that's one thing. Track, yeah, boy, we had great athletes. In the 70s, distance runners. Uh, but boy, you, you look at these kids now, and holy smokes. I, I, just as an example, in 2013, my last year of coaching track, uh, we had a very, very fine group of kids. And uh, one of them, Dan Gagney, ended up being sixth in the 1600. He ran a 414.83, I believe. And he was sixth. I mean, there, there were kids running four tens uh, for the 1600, uh, not only that year, but in, in other years as well. I mean, the, the, the quality of, of, uh, and depth of, of performance, especially in the distance run, runs, those are the ones I cared about. Sprinters too, though. I mean, we've had some good ones, but uh, it's been fantastic. And uh, that's what I see. There's, there's a, a real... Uh, good group of coaches track and cross country that have turned out some, some really fine athletes. 
and that's that's men and women. You look at the young girls that we produced as distance runners. Holy smokes! I mean, we've had some excellent ones there, uh, mm. uh, all Americans in college, uh, and uh, you know, it, it it it's gratifying, very gratifying. But that's the biggest change. I think the biggest change for me is seeing the the numbers increase and, and the quality increase. That you interesting about the quality because you almost see that across like a lot of sports these days, right? Just how fast and how like athletic people can be these days. You know, you look at even just like a f- sport like football and like how much harder and faster it's become than it was, you know, 30 years ago. But what's interesting is you kind of, you hear the, the running booms, right? There's been like a few running booms, you know, in the last 50 years sure. and yep. You know, you've obviously coached those, so you've seen it and like the popularity of the sport. Like, do you think kind of running become more mainstream kind of helped people like more people get involved, which made which meant like from you guys creating the, you know, Wisconsin's Coaches Association to, you know, people doing it more and putting more like you're now you're you have people training, you have better footwear, you have better recovery stuff. I mean, yeah. Is, yep. is it kind of like a mix of all that over the years, or do you think you can like pinpoint like a few times where like you saw like big spikes th- in, through the past decades? Oh, for me, uh, initially, uh, the first one I think was Frank Shorter. I mean, that that f- for us was I was just starting coaching. Uh, you know, he, he, Frank Shorter. Uh, just was 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 the biggest thing in, in in running, you know, for us. I mean, distance runners. He could look at this man. He's an Olympic champion, uh, uh, and then uh, you know that that sparked a big boom. In fact, Shorter came here. Uh, he was here for maybe the Northwestern Mutual had a had a ten k or something like that. Uh, so he was in Milwaukee. I know that. Uh, because Dennis McBride, the young man that you referred to earlier, Dennis was at Northwestern Mutual at that time. He's got a picture of himself with Frank. Uh, so yeah, that that was one beginning, boom, right there. Uh, and the and the thing that is 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 oh so, so impressive for me now is the fact that you have all sorts of people now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my seventies, but you've got, you got folks, ladies and gentlemen who are in their sixties and seventies, they're still running. You have moms and dads that are running. And I think that is, is, uh, what, uh, fuels participation in track and cross country. Mom and dad go out to run. Okay. Every once in a while, the youngster is going to tag along, or at least he'll, he or she will think of that as a, uh, as a significant part of life, you know? Mom and dad exercise. Mom and dad run, uh, and and uh, that I think is is part of the uh, uh, the quote unquote boom. You know, mm-hmm. families do it now. It's uh, you look at some of the fun runs and uh, you know the turkey trots and everything else, and uh, it, it's families. I mean, you have moms and dads and young people, and uh, that that's a real contributor. Frank Shorter in the seventies was huge. After that, I think it took, uh, especially now think of it, title nine came in in what? 1972. So the young ladies started running. So, and they continued to run. They ran in college and they continued to run as adults. Well, if mom's running, maybe, uh, the young daughter's going to run. And so that's, uh, 
a very very important factor in contributing to uh, uh, the the resurgence of of, of running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I would have never really thought of Title IX in that way, but you're you know you're totally correct. So speaking of families, I have my wife and I have. Uh, two daughters they're only two years old but that's our hope that they see us running and you know yeah. maybe they maybe they get into running maybe they don't that's fine uh you know if they run that would be great because we can all run together but you know getting them them seeing us active makes them want to be active whether it's soccer or whatever it may be it yep, doesn't even have exactly. to be a sport it, they could just be involved community involvement it could be chorus it could be band it could be whatever but what an interesting speaking of that and what i find interesting is vince was not a runner in high school like he did and so we, we talked to him on the show about that and one thing he brought up was that you know he gave it a try but it wasn't for him so can you kind of talk about like did, were you trying to push Vince because you were kind of in the running scene or were you trying to let him kind of develop into his own person he, he is an interesting study Al. Look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're absolutely right he, he was he was not a runner and uh, I never, I don't recall ever, you know, uh, trying to influence him to do anything. He wanted, when, when he was in middle school, he started taking tennis lessons. So he wanted to play tennis. Uh, great. You know, played tennis. Then he decided he wanted to go out for football at Tosis. Well, Vinny, you guys have seen him. He's uh, not a real big guy. <laughs> so, you know, you don't want to discourage him. So go ahead. Yeah. You know, play, play football. So he played football and tennis at uh, Tosa East. Uh, never big on running. I, I'll tell you a story. He had a Sentinel route when he was a kid, uh, middle school, and then into high school, freshman, sophomore year. Uh, and So he's been uh, delivering the news for years and years, not just now. Yes, precisely. <laughs> yeah. And, and, well, you know, he had to get up at five in the morning. Well, I would go in and try to wake this kid up, and it was like, you know, it was pulling teeth. He'd, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he'd go back to sleep. I'd have to go up about 10 minutes later. So he could, he could barely get out of bed. Think about this. He could barely get out of bed at five o'clock when he was in high school. But now he gets up at 3 a.m. to get to work, and it doesn't seem to bother him. Uh, but he... I'll tell, I'll tell you, as football season approached, maybe end of July, middle of July, actually, because football practice was like the first two weeks of August began, uh, I would say to him after doing the Sentinel route, well, Vinny, why don't we do some wind sprints up and down the street here? Well, geez, you thought I'd, I'd ask him, you know, to uh, give me his, uh, you know, left arm or something. Uh, and it was very reluctant, very reluctant to do that. Uh, all the way through high school, he never was, was much of a runner. Yeah, and now, you know, he'll go out there and run three miles. And uh, he tries to do that a couple times a week. I don't know what the winter uh, situation is. I think he gets on the elliptical more than anything else now. But it's it's amazing. I you know, Vinny, where was this when you were you know sixteen, seventeen? Uh, I think right now, truthfully, uh, he runs a lot to stay in shape. He enjoys it, but he also runs a lot so that he, so that he can eat a lot. Now he <laughs> loves to eat, so he figures, okay, if I run my three miles, I can eat. <laughs> um, 
so Joe, we're on the subject of Vince and, uh, and a little bit earlier, you were talking about the, how, how being around so many great coaches taught you a lot about preparation. It, it helped you be a more prepared person. And one of the key uh, themes at the convers- uh, with the conversation we had with uh, Vince on the show was that he, he says there's no substitute for preparation. And something that has stuck in my brain, and I think Alex's too, um, is something I try to live by. How much of that did you instill? Because you're telling me that it wasn't innate in Vince. He wasn't always the 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 prepared person that he is now. So how did you instill that? And how do you instill that in young people? Because I'm sure it wasn't just Vince you tried this on. Well, you know what? That's an interesting one, Apostoli. It, here, here's the thing. I, I don't think with Vinny or my, my other son, Nick, my daughter, Emily, you never really sat down and said this, that, or the other thing. But what you did is model behavior. You know, I mean, I'm sure Vinny saw me hundreds and hundreds of times working on lesson plans or hundreds and hundreds of times working on uh, a workout schedule for the week. Uh, and that, I think, sunk in. You know, it was always, okay, uh, Sunday Sunday morning, I'd sit down with coffee. I got to work out my, my, my training schedule for these kids for this week. Uh, lesson plans had to be done. Uh, you, you know, I, I, you bring home the essays that the kids write or the, t- uh, the papers, that uh, the test papers, and you do that. So you, 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 I think, demonstrated that if you were going to be successful, you had to put in the time. You, you just had to put in the time. You had to be prepared. I think that more than anything, that, that modeling is so important. That's why, as we, as we discussed earlier, that's why I think it's, it's so, so critical for young people to see mom and dad, you know, go out the front door and take a run. Uh, well, they think it's valuable. They think it's healthy. They think, you know, it, it's worthwhile. I'll give it a shot. You know, I'll, I'll think about it. So I think in that respect, I think the kids understood how much went into uh, being a successful coach or being a successful teacher and uh, realized that if they were going to be successful at what they were going to do, yeah, you got to be prepared. That's a really good point about it's almost like the precursor to building habits because you're watching people who have already built their habits do those things, whether it's getting out the door and running every day or watching you every Sunday do your lesson plans. Like you have, you or the parents have become disciplined in that section of their life. And now your, your kids are seeing that and it kind of gets like passed down. And I can see that's the same way with coaching, right? Or teaching when you say lead by example, by you doing these things and you having these instilled in yourself, you know, that just, that naturally can get passed down. And then that allows you to also, you know, implement your other, your training programs and everything. And it's just, it allows kids to buy in more. And I, and I'm seeing that happen as you're talking here. So, you know, you know, do you know that Vince, when he was on the show last year, he still told us that he doesn't consider himself a runner, which, uh, we made him, he, at the end of the show, he said he was a runner, so he's officially a runner, but <laughs> even to this day, he still doesn't consider himself that, which is funny. And that, that's a, that's a completely different question of like, he goes, I don't run races, so I'm not a runner. And it's like, yeah, Vince, but you run like every day, three miles, you're totally a runner. So 
that was a really interesting conversation, but no, that was, that was, that was, uh, some great insight right there. We appreciate that. Um, so looking back at, you know, your years of coaching, what, what are some, we kind of want to hear some of the like stories. What are some of your most memorable stories that stick out to you, uh, throughout the years? Well, I, I, there, you know, you have so many memories. I, I think one thing that, that was, uh, so gratifying was was the ability to uh, be with these kids for four years. You know, you 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 get these youngsters, these freshmen. They're they're thirteen, maybe fourteen, and they come in and 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 you get to watch them grow as athletes and as young men. Uh, so I, I you know just that transformation where they can they start practice at you know I I, I was very very. Uh, very, very understanding of where they were at when they came to me as freshmen. Like if, if I would ask these kids, do you have any running background? Did you do any running this summer? Da, 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 da. And if they, if they didn't hear, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to uh, just uh, run walk first day. That's all. Just run walk. We're going to go down from Tosties to the footbridge at, at Hoyt park and back. And what I want you to do uh is and it, it helped if they had a watch, <laughs> but you know, just run for three minutes and walk for three minutes. Run for three minutes, walk for three minutes, get down to the footbridge, do the same thing coming back. And then by the time they're seniors, you know, they're going seven, eight, nine miles a day, and it's like, wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> so that was one thing that that talk about stories. Just watching some of these young men who uh, you know, were little mighty mites when they were freshmen, and then up being contributors and even, uh, you know, all conference runners when they were seniors. That's one. And the stories uh, I've, I've had, I said this uh, at uh, so many events that my experience in Tosa, I had good kids. I had really good kids and I had good families and boy, that made it really easy for me. I mean, you, you deal with good young men, good families and you're going to be successful. Uh, and, and, and so many of them have gone on uh, to run in college, which is very nice. I mean, that's gratifying to me. They got that experience all the way through college. You talked about Dennis McBride. Dennis was my first conference champion. He was conference champion of 1600 in 1972. Uh, he's a brilliant young man. Uh, not young anymore, but he was then. <laughs> but he, uh, he, you know, he was first conference champion. He qualified for state, regional sectional champion, qualified for state, went on, ran at UWM. In fact, he won the, the Mayfair Marathon twice. Uh, and then obviously went on and got his law degree and everything else. I mean, what what a he's just a great guy. And, and to be associated with a person like that to this day is, is, uh, is a real joy. Uh, you know, and then I had my, I guess, uh, yeah, the first conference champion I had in cross country was 1975 with a bunch of really, really good kids. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was the, the first one is always, I, I know you hear that said, but the first one is always really special. Um, so that was fine. 1987, we had a, uh, a state runner up team with again, a bunch of, just great kids. Uh, stories, I you know, a lot of them revolve around not so much the meets. The meets, 
were intense and, and the kids were prepared. They did well, but it's the practices, you know, stuff, crazy stuff that would happen at practice. I used to take Vince and Nick uh, with me uh, on the weekends for Saturday practices. We go down to Hart Park and they'd be running around all over the place and they'd climb a chestnut tree there at the north end of the track and stuff. <laughs> but those two clowns would never look either way when they were walking across the track. So they just run across the track. Well, I can't tell you how many times I was in the middle of running an interval with my kids and they had to stop or scatter or end up on the football field to avoid those two. Uh, Cause they just, you know, they just walk right out in front of people. Uh, so you had that bringing them to practice was a lot of fun. Uh, just listening, honestly, just listening to the stories these kids would tell about what happened to them during the day or, or their comments on some of the teachers that they had. And, <laughs> uh, that was, that was the good stuff. Uh, I, I, uh, I enjoyed it. We made it up the state a lot in, in cross. We made it, uh, I had kids qualify for state and track, uh, we would go up here. Here's one. This this is probably the best. Uh, we would go up this, uh, at that time. The state track meet was in at Mansfield Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin, and it was a two day affair. Uh, you had uh, qualifying on Friday night for certain events, and then finals were on Saturday. Coach Richmond did not like to take our kids up and have them stay overnight in Madison. He said it was too distracting. You never knew who was going to be in the, in, in the hotel or, or whatever, how much noise there was going to be, how much sleep they would get. So they would get, so we would drive them up. Those kids that had to qualify, we'd drive them up for the trials on Friday, drive all the way back to Tosa, pick them up on Saturday morning and drive them back for the finals. It got to the point, uh, this would be in the late seventies, early eighties, early eighties, where, you know, those, those rides back at night, they, it got so late. The four by four was like at 1030 at night. Well, by the time the kids got cleaned up and everything else, I mean, it was, it was a tough drive back and then I wake up and drive uh, again on Saturday morning. So we would stay at, uh, at, in, uh, well, not Fort Act, was it? The Turkey, the gobbler, that was it. The gobbler uh, along I-94 and they had a hotel and they had a restaurant. Well, on Friday nights, coming back from the trials, the Gobbler restaurant had all you could eat chicken and fish. It was amazing how much these kids could eat. <laughs> and then and then you go up to the, the, to the hotel and stay there. One night I stayed over in Madison to talk to a couple of my cross-country buddies. Got back late. It was about 1130. And I uh, came into the room. Uh, I always, they always made me uh, share the room with Coach Richmond because he snored and nobody else wanted to sleep with him. Uh, and John was on the, on the floor uh, and breathing pretty heavily. And I walked in and I said, oh, my God, this is not good. And he went, John, John, you okay? And he looked at me and he said, I was just doing my, my push-ups. That guy did 100 push-ups every night. He was an old... Uh, he was actually in the airborne in world war two. Uh, and, and he would, he literally, he was a minor league baseball player, great cross country, a great track and, and football coach. Uh, but he would do hundred pushups every night. Well, I didn't know that. So I walked in after he had just gotten done. He was, I was terrified. <laughs> we have to call nine one one. 
But those associations, the associations with the kids and your fellow coaches, man, those are great memories. Those, yeah. Thanks for sharing those with us. That's that sounds so much fun, and that's that's so much community too from that, right? You're you're experiencing yeah. these things with these kids, and even going back when we started this story, and you were talking about watching these kids from their freshman year to their senior year. I mean, that's a huge growth phase in life, right? Going through high school, and yep. you as a coach, you're coaching kids who are running a ton and are going to state, and you have new kids who are not running at all, and you're trying to manage these workouts and these workloads because you don't want kids getting injured, and you want to to set everyone up for success. And it's all of those challenges that when you're in that car ride <clears throat> after qualifying for state <laughs> to go eat all you can, uh, you know, chicken and fish, like those are the memories. That's how memories are built. And that's where, you know, like really bonds everyone together. And, and that's absolutely incredible. And that's where I, I mean, <clears throat> being in high school, I was not a runner. I played team sports, football, basketball, but it doesn't matter what you did. Those are the stories and the memories that are brought together over the, you know, all those tough times training in the summer, you know, going for one goal as a team, um, yep. it allows you to set up and create those memories. So that's a lot of fun. So you speak a lot of, a lot of good kids and, and good students, which we like to hear. Um, last week we had Lucas Florsheim, who was a WIA state champion in 2019 from Shorewood. Uh, Dominic Newman, uh, fan of the pod, oh, yeah. shout out to Dominic, recommended Lucas. So we had Lucas on and he's, man, he's running in college right now. And it's a crazy situation because school's remote. They can't, there, oh, no yeah. one's on campus. So, yeah. so listen to this. They're all uh, him and his teammates are living in like a, a house. They rented a house in North Carolina, and they're all training with their coach still. But they're racing. I don't know what you call them up a story. I'm forgetting the name, but I'll call them like unsanctioned collegiate races. And they're all just kind of sure. running. Yeah. And it's cool that they're they're being able to do this, but it's just it's such a different world. And we we got in the conversation about our cross country athletes. I don't know, how do how do we phrase it, Apostoli? So, so cross country athletes. Our hypothesis is that they're some of the best students in, in whether it's in in high schools or colleges across uh, the country. I've seen personally that the trend is that cross country runners are better students, so academics are improved by running. And we don't know if which came first is the fact that. <laughs> better students get to become cross-country runners or do they become better students because they are part of cross-country so you out of all people we could ask probably could give us the 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 most insight on this question i think uh many of I, i boy i'm thinking back on some of the young men that i had and they were excellent students it might be that they just had they they were excellent students and then became excellent athletes. I think they go hand in hand, obviously. I think some of, honestly, some of my young men became better students because they were cross-country track athletes, because of the discipline involved, because of the the uh, uh, commitment involved. They started transferring that discipline and commitment to their academic life. Uh, I, I, I've seen that. I've seen young men who, you know, weren't exactly stellar students their freshman year. By the time they got to be juniors and seniors, they, they had figured it out. 
and and a lot of it was due again to the fact that they were uh, uh, runners. They were they were disciplined. They were committed. Uh, they they were uh, they followed a schedule. You know, uh, that that was. I, I I think it helped both ways. It certainly helped my best runners to be very good students. You know, it, it helped that they were good, smart young men. They realized. Uh, what it took. They, they were smart enough to understand that uh, you needed, here's the key, and, and, and you guys now, the running community, uh, I guess, needs to hear this. They've heard it over and over again. We had 40 years of a cross-country clinic for our uh, Wisconsin Cross-Country Coaches Association. Speaker after speaker, great guys. You learned a lot. You learned a different a wrinkle to a workout, or you learned a different workout. Oh boy, I'll try that, you know. But really, if you're coaching distance runners, there's just not that much <laughs> that you're going to be able to do, you know, differently. But what was very important, and what was brought to our attention increasingly at the clinic by dietitians and and uh, 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 orthopods and, and and doctors that we were bringing in, that the two major things that can di differentiate uh, athletic performance, especially for young men like this, is sleep and diet. You know, if you're, not, if you're not eating right, you're in trouble. If you're not getting your sleep, you're in trouble. Now, my smartest kids could comprehend that, you know. They realized, you know, they, they got to get their rest. They got to eat well. And uh, that you know, can sustain them the whole season. That's going to contribute to their success. So, yeah, I personally, I think the, some of the best kids I had were, were some of my, some of the best students in school. And then again, I, I had, I could point out several examples to you of young men who, who, who finally, uh, you know, the light bulb went on, they got it by the time they were juniors and seniors and it was due a lot to the to, to the discipline that they had to uh, maintain in cross country or track. It works both ways, but we we debunked it. Yes, it does. Cross country yep. athletes and track athletes are the smartest. Boom. We had, yeah, we had a lot of success, boy. <laughs> uh, so how many went on to college? Uh, how many stuff. how many state titles did you did you win while you were coaching? We had, uh, in track, the only state title we had was in 1972. We won the state boys track title in 1972. With, uh, again, that was Dennis McBride's senior year. He was a part of that squad. Uh, in cross country, we were state runner-up in 1987. We had a fifth-place finish in there somewhere and a couple of seventh-place finishes and a couple other top tens. But those were the only two, as far as the team was concerned, those were the only two uh, 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 state champion and runner-up. Uh, from, from an individual standpoint, I had uh, uh, Tom Rayberger was third overall individually in cross-country in 1977, and Jay Miller was a runner-up in the 800. Uh, uh, in track, uh, those were, uh, and you know, uh, Dan Gagney that I, wh whom I mentioned earlier was, uh, mm -hmm. uh, 
sixth place in the 1600. So he got on the podium in his senior year. So I did not have a state champion, an individual state champion in cross or track. And then just the two teams that, that came home with the hardware. That's, that is impressive. I mean, winning a, a title as a team in track cross country, that's, uh, that's, that's impressive. Even all those top 10 finishes. So to get there is no easy feat. And it all comes back to coaching and having kids who are willing to work. So talk, talk to us a little bit about your coaching style. Um, do you have a coaching style? Have you developed a coaching style? Uh, yeah. Well, Alex, I was never, uh, let's, let's look at cross country first. I was never a big proponent on mega mileage. You know, I, you know, I, uh, there were some programs and they were very successful. Don't get me wrong, but some programs that would have kids doing 60, 65 miles a week. Uh, we were really, honestly, we were lucky to do about 45 miles a week. Uh, I was not a big proponent of, of, of mega mileage for these kids. I thought, you know, if you go out for, think about it, you have a race on Saturday, you're invitational on Saturday. Well, that was worth, you ran 3.1 miles. So that's, that's a chunk right there. Your warm up and cool down. You're running, uh, probably a grand total those days. I would give them, you know, about six or seven miles total, total running. Uh, so if you did that for six days a week, roughly seven miles a day, that's 42 miles right there. Well, that, that's a pretty good load. And then on Sunday, maybe just a little, uh, you know, just go out and do three miles and do a lot of stretching, you know, day after a meet. So that's, that's one of the things that's part of my style. I, I, I wasn't real big on, on long distance weeks, long distance run. Yeah. We'd have a long run on Monday. That was our, that was our workout on Monday. Monday was a long run. And then on, you know, Wednesday, uh, if we had a meet on Saturday, Wednesday would be our, our real tough, uh, interval day. We do whatever, I don't know. We do 400s or 800s or, uh, uh, whatever, uh, alternate miles at times. Uh, and the other thing was, uh, I was in cross and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, very big on, on just taking it easy, just looking at the long term, looking at, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I'm not going to take that young ninth grader and run that kid, you know, 45 miles a week. Uh, the longest run that we would run with any ninth grader was uh, five miles. And that came at the end of the season. That was in October. That was, you know, week number, let's see here, 11, 10, nine, week number eight, maybe of, of the season. Yeah. Okay. Let's go out and let's see if we can get a five miler in. So it was a very gradual approach, very gradual. Uh, and I, I mentioned, you know, sometimes kids would just start off walk running, you know, just something to get their legs in shape. And if they had a background, okay, that was fine. Let's 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 start with uh, uh, two miles or three miles and see what you're doing. And again, it it you 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 touched on it, Alex. It, it is very individualistic. You can't. You can't take the 30 kids that you had out and, and stuff them into one particular uh, program. You know, I'd have five or six different groups 
You know, I have a, okay, group one, here's what you're doing today. Group two, here's what you're doing today. So you had to make sure that you were, you were dealing with the individual. Uh, uh, and if you did that, then the, the team thing worked out very well. In track, again, I was not a big mileage guy, even though I was coaching eight, uh, 800, 1600, 3200. Uh, I, I, I just, I thought track, the biggest thing was to get those kids to May and, and still have fresh legs, still have them feeling really good. Uh, so that determined then what we did. Uh, I was never a big proponent of indoor track season. Uh, I, we didn't have an indoor facility uh, at, at Tosa East. Uh, we, uh, my first couple of years, we used to run on the third floor of the old building and uh, do laps up there. Uh, eventually, it was just I, I didn't like that at all. So we just we went outside. If it was a lousy day, you went in a weight room, you know, and did strength work. Uh, but so indoor track was never a, a priority to us. Indoor track was getting in shape. If you ran an indoor track meet, you ran the 1600 or the mile, whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, that was like practice. That was your speed workout for the week. Uh, outdoor, different story. The outdoor boy. Yeah, that was, we wanted to get better and better. And in track, my style was there only um, I told the kids there are only three, one, two, three meets that are really important: uh, conference relays, conference outdoor, and the state sectional. And that's it. Those are the only three you guys have to worry about. Everything else is practice. Everything else is just go out there and do the best you can. Uh, and then, of course, if you do qualify for state, well, then yeah, state is is a pretty big affair. But you know, limit that. You you can't. If you if you're having 15 track meets a year, you're not going to get these kids up for 15 events. You know, 15 times. It's just you're going to burn them out. So for me, limited. May was our important month, and let's just work to get there. March and April are just preparatory to to what we're going to do in May. So that and you know, I. I you know the the other thing was there, there there's so many terms out there you know long slow distance and everything else I, I in track I would even even have them doing uh, long runs on a Monday or something like that the old term speed kills if you're on the track too much just pounding them yeah you might you might get injured you might you might burn them out so it was that balance you know and knowing your kids was was hugely important so that by the time they were juniors and seniors you had a pretty good idea. You had a pretty good idea. Tom Rayberger was one of my, my, my best. He still holds the school record. He ran this in 1976, and it's still the school record to this day in the 3200 outdoor and track. So he's just the best distance runner we had. Uh, Tom was a guy you, you did not mention what meets were coming up. You didn't have to. Tom knew very well, and he would get more nervous if you constantly said, oh, you got you know, Saturday's huge. You got to do this, that, that. You know, that would just drive him nuts. So by the time he was a junior, you know, you knew that. Just leave him alone. Leave Tom alone. Just workouts are fine. Boom. Hey, Tom, bus leaves at 7.45. Be on it. You know, you didn't have to do that. Dan Gagney was another one. 
he, he, I'd go in and I'd, I'd do uh, prep work for the for the meets, coming in the cross country. Okay, here you go, uh, cross country. This is our conference meet. Here are the teams to look at. Here are the guys on the teams that are running this, that, and the other thing. And you know, Dan would come up and say, Coach, you know, just don't. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that. I don't need to start thinking about this thing. And that was fine. He was a great runner, ran well. You just had to know that. Now, other kids just enjoyed the heck out of looking at who was where and where they might finish and what they had to do. So uh, that was another thing. If you talk about stylistics, you know, just, just knowing your kids, knowing, you know, what makes them tick and how to get the best out of them. I mean, you know, you don't have to say much uh, with with some of them. Other guys, you just got to, you know, come on, you know, rah, rah, rah. And they responded. So, mm-hmm. Spoken, that's, that's about it. <laughs> spoken like a true expert there that you have been through it. No, it was all, that's really well said. I'm a big proponent of not running that high of mileage because I don't think I could run 60 miles a week. So that's why <laughs> I like your yeah. style. Yeah, uh, no, it, that's, that's, that's it. And, and, and the folks that, that are, are running now, the people you associate with, uh, they should just, you know, my, Feel comfortable with what you're doing. You know, you don't, if, if, if somebody else is going, you know, 50 miles a week or something like that, and you want to do 30, do 30. Just relax and enjoy it. Uh, uh, that, that, that seems to me to be one of, the, one, of the, one of the drawbacks that can set in is, is, oh, my God, you know, I'm not doing enough. Like this person is, is doing this, and I'm not doing enough, and I want to run in this race. And I want, yeah, no, just be comfortable and enjoy. And, and if you do that, uh, I think you, chances are you're going to stay healthy, which is huge. Mm-hmm. I have a really good quote I've been trying to go by with that. It's remember when you wanted what you currently have. And that's true. Yeah. At one point you wanted 30 miles a week and now you're there, but don't compare yourself to something that's like not, you're not ready for, or it's not a part of you. So I like exactly. that. Exactly. So there's a really fun story I want to talk about here. You and your wife were athletic directors at the same time. Yes. Well, how did that come to be? I didn't know you could have two athletic directors, and the fact that it's your wife makes it the, sounds like an interesting story. Well, this is this is uh, yeah. I, I was uh, I began athletic director at Tosa East in the fall of 1988. I was still coaching track, still coaching cross country. Uh, my last year in track would be the spring, uh, that, that spring, 89. Uh, and uh, I just, it, the, the, the workload was getting too much. So I continued with cross country, basically because my son Nick was, was in cross country. And he graduated in, in the fall of, or the spring of 95. So I coached cross country, uh, no, in the spring of 96. I coached cross country through 1995, and then I stopped coaching and continued as AD. I was AD from 1988 uh, to 2000, and I believe six or five or somewhere in there. And after 10 years, in 1998, fall of 1998, it was like, you know what? This is getting to be too much. I mean, I was I was not coaching. The job had become a lot different from when I started, even 10 years earlier. Uh, and uh, different in, in, in a number of respects, including expansion of sports uh, opportunities. We added softball and baseball to our WIAA 
list of, of sponsored sports in the early 90s. Um, so that increased uh, that area. Uh, our girls' programs were just going just going very well. Uh, and so there was, there, there was a lot more work involved, let's put it that way. So I approached uh, my principal at that time, that was John Hayes. I said, John, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do this. I mean, I, you know, maybe I should just go back to the classroom, go back to coaching and stuff like that. And he said, well, what, you know, what can we do? I said, well, you know, I could use somebody else. You know, I could, I could use a co-director to take care of half of the sports here. And then uh, I'd go back and teach a couple classes and what, whatever. So John was very receptive. And he was very receptive to the fact that we would have a woman in the athletic director position. So at that time, we weren't married. So Linda and I uh, ended up being co-athletic directors in the fall of 1998. And we divided up the sports. John, our, our principal, wanted to make sure he said, I don't want this to be Linda handling the girls' sports and you handling the boys' sports. I want it different. So we did. We divided it up, and Linda was responsible for some of the boys' sports. I was responsible for some of the girls' sports. It's just the way it went. Uh, and it, it, boy, that that for me, that 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 was a, a saving factor. I I could not have continued. Workload was such, and and Linda brought expertise in areas, uh, especially. Uh, in in uses of computers and stuff like that. I used to do all my budget work. She still nails me about this. I used to do all my budget work with a sheri- with a series of papers and a pencil and a, and, a, and an adding machine. Uh, and and she's looking at me going, you know, it'd be a whole lot easier if we worked a spreadsheet out here. <laughs> okay, fine. You, if you can do that, that's fine. And she did. I had, you know. So in many respects, she 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 kind of modernized the entire athletic department. Uh, but it worked out awfully well. And we had gr- a great deal of success. Eventually, I, I just said, I, I've had enough. That was like 2006, maybe the spring of 2006. And then Linda took over and was sole athletic director. Uh, I don't know how the heck she did it, but she was sole athletic director from that point until she retired in 2015. So, yeah, there's been... A uh, Vetrano in the athletic department there was there from '88 to 2015. <laughs> that was that was a run. <laughs> the reign of the Vetrano family. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a fun story. So, Joe, this has been awesome. This has been amazing. A lot of insights. It was really cool getting to know you, your coaching style, hearing some fun stories. But before we let you go, we have to do our Cream City Pacers rapid fire questions. <laughs> You ready for these? Sure, we'll try. All right, we'll start. We'll, I'll throw you a, a softball here. What is your favorite route to run in Milwaukee? Well, uh, it would depend on uh, the time of life. When I was at Tosa East, I loved running Menominee River Parkway. We we run Menominee River Parkway from Church Street all the way out to Highway 100 and back. That was that was nice. Uh, now that we've moved down, uh, uh, now that I've lived in Franklin for 20 years. Uh, I like the, they have a uh, uh, a bike path along the Root River uh, from like 68th and Loomis goes all the way out to the uh, to, to Ryan Road uh, to the Milwaukee Sports Complex out there, and that's just a, that's a great route. So those two are probably well, and one other one, the lakefront. That's that's 
That's fantastic. From Grant Park to the South Shore Yacht Club and back. If Lakefront was was ever running for president, it would win on the Cream City Pacers, I think. Yeah. It's, every, almost every 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 guest we have it's beautiful. answers that. It's just it it's is. beautiful. We're very, we're very lucky to have it. Yep. All right. I love it. If you could bring one person to Milwaukee to run with you, who would it be? Ooh. Bring a person to Milwaukee to run with. That is, wow. You know what? I, I, this would be like nuts, right? But I'd bring Barack Obama. I'd run with him anywhere. <laughs> you, you taught Dennis McBride very well because that was his answer to oh, that question. Cool. <laughs> I like that. Excellent. Excellent. Like, like student, like teacher. I like it. Okay. That would be fun. Yeah, I'd go anywhere to run with him, too. Um, what is your favorite pre-race pump-up song? You know, I, I, I know that Apostoli mentioned this, uh, you know, in our initial conversation, that, you know, the question like that. I don't, honestly, I don't know that I ever had one. The best, if I, if I did, and I never really, uh, you know, when I was running in the 60s, we didn't have earbuds, we didn't have any of that junk. Um, so right. I, I never, you know, psyched up that way. Uh, and, 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 uh, you know, I, if, if anything, it would be the theme from chariots of fire. I mean, that, that to me was fantastic. That's awesome. We're actually going to start the show with our version of the, of that song by Vangelis. And, um, we're going to, you're going to hear it. It's, it's our theme song paired with that very well yeah. together we, we yeah. did a special version so you'll get to hear that at the beginning of the show wait so, wait 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 stop stop that is also dennis mcbride's favorite pre-race pop-up song <laughs> <laughs> that is, actually alex you are right that's why we we came up with that version all right this is awesome it all kind of it all connects awesome. it all connects um we like to ask also what is a book that you would recommend is there any book that you recommended that you're students to read that would help them with running uh, or any book that has kind of inspired you over the years? Well, I, uh, in terms of, of, of running athletically, there, there are, there are a lot of stories out there, you know, whatever sport. Uh, I think that the, the thing that I would encourage them to do is read uh, books by some uh, coaches that have been successful uh, Joe Newman was a, a huge, hugely successful coach in Illinois. And he had a book, The Long Green Line, and he had several others. And uh, if I were to recommend something to, to, to one of my kids, I'd say, you know, read this. Read, read, read about what uh, Coach Newman does down in Illinois. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily follow what he did, uh, uh, you know, uh, to the letter. But, but he had insights he had insights into how he handled kids and and uh uh that so that yeah one of one of joe newman's books uh would would, would be something uh most of the stuff guys most of the stuff that i read uh, it was it was kind of technical it was uh you know like i i subscribed to track and field news track technique runner's world you know i'd read whatever i could on distance running 
And uh, uh, so for me, it wasn't so much uh, focusing on the individuals, but focusing on technique and, and fo- focusing on, on, on workouts and things like that. But Joe Newman, I heard him speak a number of times, and uh, I read his books. That would be, if, if you're interested in cross-country, it would be interest, interesting to see how he developed his program. That's awesome. Thank you. We will be definitely checking that out. And actually, we'd love to send you a copy of, of a book by an author that we had on the show. He's a local guy, very great guy. His name is Paul Maurer. I'm not, not sure if you're familiar with him, but he wrote a book called The Unforgiving Line. It is a fiction book. Uh, I think he would love to send you, he will send you a copy. Uh, we'll make sure and sign it and everything. And very nice. Uh, it is a, it is about a coach. Um, it's, it's a quite fascinating story about a young man that's moved up to the north woods of Wisconsin from Chicago, from a very, uh, you know, uh, underprivileged area. And he ended up being coached by this old guy that uh, he met in the woods. It's, it's a fascinating story. Yep. I think you'll, you'll find a lot of similarities. Uh, hey, we, uh, the you've we seen lost Hapasoli there. Uh, so we, okay. we'll we, tell Paul about very this. Nice. I mean, uh, that's, that's very nice. I, you know what? I'm thinking back. It's not Joe Newton. It's Joe Newton. Joe, Joe Newton. Newton. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of Coach Newman over at Shorewood. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. Joe Newton uh, is, is the is the author is the is the coach. Well, this is oh, that would be very nice. That, that okay, it's I a great book. It. It's we love. It. Thank you. Yes. So we, Alex, you want to go ahead with the next? Yeah. Two more questions here. It doesn't sound, what is your favorite piece of running gear? Favorite piece of running gear. Yeah. I got to say shoes. I mean, I, that's, it's so important to basically to your, to your health and safety as a, as a runner shoes. I, 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 uh, I go to, I don't want to, uh, you know, give a give a give a uh, product endorsement. I always I always went to uh, Tony Rodez's place out in uh, West Dallas, and I'd I'd uh, I'd talk to him all the time about shoes, and and uh, uh, that that was it. It was favorite from from the comfort, uh, how durable, how it allowed me to be injury free, and and also from uh, honestly from the aesthetics. I like the way they look. <laughs> mm-hmm. A good pair of shoes goes a long way. So I love it. Okay. Last question here. What is one piece of advice you'd like to pass on to new runners? Boy, uh, you know, just be patient. That's it. Just patience is the key. Just remember as a young runner, you know, just it's a marathon, not a sprint. Just be patient with yourself. Be patient with your training. Increase, you know, at a reasonable increment, you know, uh, it's, that, that's the thing. Just, just relax. <laughs> R E L A X. Just be patient and, and you'll get there. You know, the thing I told my kids, this is a good way to, that's an excellent question to end this. You know, I, I, I would tell my kids, uh, there'd be, there'd be juniors and seniors, uh, mostly at this, at, for this discussion, I'd say, look, you guys, you're going to be a really good distance runner when you're 21. Don't worry about being 17 or 16 or 18. Forget it. 
you're going to be a really good runner. If you continue with this, if you're, if you're faithful to your sport, you're going to be a real good runner when you're 21 and 22 years of age. You know, you just got to be patient, got to be patient. Uh, and so that would be the thing. Uh, you know, don't, we talked about it earlier, Alex, don't, don't look at somebody else. Geez, coach, these kids from this school are doing 60 miles a week, 65 miles a week. You know, yeah, just are you are you doing well at at, at the uh, at the uh, mileage you're, you're you're putting in? Okay, just relax. We'll yeah. By the time you're a senior, you'll be up to 45 miles, 45, 50 miles max. And then when you're 21, yeah, then you can run your 70 and 80 miles a week, and you won't break down. So be patient. That's that's the single most important thing for for our developing runners, for our youngsters, and for honestly, for adults. You know, if you if you're thinking about getting out there, if you're thinking about running with uh, with with you guys, you know, the Cream City Pace. Think if you're if you're if you're going to do it, just be patient. Don't worry about what some individuals are doing. Just relax, enjoy it, enjoy the camaraderie. You mentioned community. That's exactly right. Uh, and uh, if if you're patient, yeah, you'll get there. That is awesome advice. I do want to talk about one more thing before we go, Joe. I was talking yeah. about this the other day with my wife, and I think you maybe have an answer for me. I always, someone said something to me a few years ago, and it's always stuck with me. And I asked myself the question, have I ever told somebody something and never really thought twice about it, but it stuck with them, like a piece of advice or something I said that's helped them through their life? Have you ever had a student who came back to 10, 15 years later, five years later, and was like, coach, I always think about this one line you tell me, and it's always helped me in this situation. Yeah, it, it's happened many times. Uh, it, it really has. It. it I, um, I. I mentioned Dad, Dan Gagney earlier, and Dan had a checkered career in high school because he got hurt a lot. And uh, his senior year, he ran like a fifteen forty in cross country, five three five thousand meters, on a tough course. I think it was at Parkside. And he was looking great. I mean, he was going to be one of the, you know, he would finish in a top 10 maybe, stays healthy. Well, he got hurt again. Uh, and I remember talking to him. Uh, and I said, you know, Dan, I, 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 I totally understand if you, if you just said, I can't do this anymore. Uh, I said, but if you do, if you want to, you know, we'll do it together. But we're going to have to get some help. And... Uh, he did. He, his parents finally took him. You're going to love this. He finally took him to a dietitian and, uh, and a, and a uh, orthopod, physical therapist. And they went over some of the things that were causing this. And the dietitian asked him one question. He said, well, what do you eat in the morning? What do you eat for breakfast? Dan said, well, I get up and I, I, I usually get up late and I have a Pop-Tart and I walk to school. And the dietitian looked at him and said, you're killing yourself. You know, you can't do that. You can't eat a Pop-Tart in the morning, you know. And, and so he had, to, he had to change his whole, the whole way he did things. And he did. His senior year was fantastic. And I remember uh, uh, he still talks about this. He, at the state meet, state finals, uh, he had done his warm-up, and he was just getting ready to get into the uh, shed there where they, uh, you know, uh, organized the kids. 
And uh, the only thing I said to him is, you know, these guys that you're running against, they're great athletes, but they've had their time. Many of these kids have had articles written about them. Many of these kids have had uh, upper, you know, state championships or upper five. I said, they've had their time. Dan, this is your time. This is your time. That's all I said. And, and, and he'll, he'll recall that, you know, he'll recall that. And he did very well. He finished sixth. He got on the podium, which was his goal all season, uh, much to his credit. But yeah. And I, and, and another one, you know what? I had a dinner with a, a young man that I had taught at Tosa West in Latin class, he graduated in 1973, great kid, Mark, Mark Unick. And, and, called me up out of, out of nowhere said, you know, Mr. V, I'm in, you know, I'm in town. Let's have some, can we go out for breakfast or something? So we did. And he recounted to me something I, I didn't even remember. I had given him a test, a translation test. And uh, a lot of the kids were, you know, just translating by the numbers. You know, they just literally translate the, the passage, which was fine. They, they understood. They got the, 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 the general meaning. But Mark chose to translate this passage <clears throat> as if he were, you know, talking to someone, you know, he, the, the, in a very colloquial way. And I apparently, and I totally had forgotten this, but I apparently picked his translation before I passed back the test. And I said, now listen to this and see if this sounds good. And I said, that's that's what you're trying to get, not just the literal, but 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 you know, what's the meaning? What, what is it? What does it mean? What, you know, translate from the heart. And, and, and Mark, you said to me, you know, Mr. V, I never forgot that. You know, that was just the greatest day of my life, you know, that you picked my paper. And so, yes, it has happened. And I'm sure it's happened to me many more times, but those two stick out. That's in cool. my mind. That's awesome. Man, you've, you've changed so many kids future that's so awesome i'm glad you're able to do that and i'm glad we were we were able to have you on our show today joe this was amazing you're amazing i appreciate it thanks for having me this has been this has been very nice man 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 joe thanks for being on the episode that was awesome uh, a i'm glad that we got to finally connect and bring you on the show because it's been a long time coming in in our minds and b you're just amazing it's so awesome hearing the stories and you know everything over the years there's just like so much history and so much knowledge there and it's just incre- it's just incredible and a lot of awesome wisdom too and uh another another chariots of fire and barack obama uh which is kind of funny that dennis and him have like the same answers like you know like teacher like coach no those are the same people wow i'm not good with those yeah. metaphors okay. <laughs> like coach like coachy <laughs> oh we don't get yeah. paid for those things we just get paid to interview but that was that was an amazing amazing interview another fun one thanks joe we appreciate it and yeah coming full circle here the the whole thing about how he has taught his kids through being just a good a good role model seeing you you know asking about uh, your children how you're gonna get them into running and probably you're gonna go with the approach that he had it's like just do whatever you um, do whatever works for you kids and if you follow my lead 
follow the way I did things, not the things that I did, right? So, um, you know, Vince didn't end up being, you know, a cross-country coach and following the path of his dad or being a runner, you know, like a, a competitive runner, but he followed the way of his father, being very prepared for his shows, being just, you know, do what, do how I did, not what I did. Right, exactly. I think I'm gonna follow that for my kid too. Dude, can you Can't believe wait. that only like an hour ago you just told everyone that you're gonna be a dad? <sighs> That's so incredible. Yes, Maria has been telling me not to announce. I don't think she's been listening to the show, so I can do whatever I want now. This is a true test, Maria. Only- do you listen to our show or not? Because uh. you're in trouble if you don't, and if you do, Apostoli's in trouble. So I don't, I don't know who I'd rather have in trouble here. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> well. Um, what a what a great show! Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Thank you. We could have. I keep saying this, but you could keep going with Joe. You kind of like let him go. It's like an autopilot. Did you did you notice that? I was just on a flight, so I'm thinking of pilot yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's but true. You just hit the button. You just hit. We just we're, we're just like captains of the of the spaceship here, and we just hit a button and let Joe talk. And it was just. And Alex and I, we have this little chat. It's like, which, what should we ask? What should we ask next? Because there's like 10 questions that came out of him talking for a minute. That's so true. Awesome. Hey, speaking of space, I just finished this TV show called The Head uh, on HBO. And it's about, it's like a murder mystery thriller that takes place at the South Pole at like an exploration station. Uh-huh. If anyone's seen it, I just, we just finished watching it this week. So I like DM me and we can talk about it because I feel like I need to talk about it with a bunch of people now. How about the evolution of, you said you suggested something else for me to watch, the evolution of hip? The the evolution of hip hop on Netflix. It's a documentary series about like the evolution of hip hop and rap through through time. I've been like jumping around through episodes, um, but I think it's like through time, like up on the west coast and the east coast and then how it came from the south and then like eminem in detroit and the underground it's really cool it's really fun it's actually really cool i love outcast the big outcast fan and there's a written um they part of an episode they were like featured in it and it was cool here i didn't really know their story and their upbringing in the atl so it was cool anyways those are some netflix nice. recommendations cool. for everybody <laughs> Not not running related, but we gotta have fun once uh, in a while. We, we do, man. Of course, and we do, we do. But um, real quick, I want to give a shout out to Roy. Roy is the reason uh, we had Mary Bullock on a few couple of weeks ago. That was a great episode, and Roy was the one that recommended her. And we were going back and forth with some uh, emails, and he had a clarification to uh, to make. Uh, via email so we asked if we can share it so here it goes alex you want to read it or should i go well um it's up to you would you rather right, me read well, it or should we do like popcorn reading where you read a paragraph i read a paragraph all right i'll read the first one roy says roy pirong mary failed to tell you that not only did i not obtain my dual citizenship i also failed to run the marathon Chris, who is now deceased, ran the half and then we waited worriedly for Mary. The Sherpa and his sidekick, me, meaning Roy, were enjoying a couple of Beauforting beers. At one point, Mary was among the leaders and the next thing she was walking. 
Chris had problems with the cobble streets too, yet both managed to place in their respective age groups. <laughs> Just a quick uh, side note here. Can you imagine that like uh, she was walking, but she still placed in her age group? I wish I was that fast where I, I had that capability. Back to the story. I had Roy, this is Roy again, remember, not, not Alex, but Roy. I had broken my elbow the week before and the day... The day after surgery, I traveled to Tennessee uh, for the uh, strolling gym, 40 plus mile, but dropped out, uh, but dropped down to the 10K, ran from the star line, then walked as the pain intensified rapidly. I got home late Sunday night, saw my surgeon Monday morning on his day off. Then I drove to Milwaukee to join the Bullocks. When we arrived in Paris on the moving walkway at the airport uh, that was going downhill slightly, I was speaking to Mary. Oh no, my cursor just jumped. Uh, who was behind me when unexpectedly my belt flattened out and I lost my balance. Luckily, I managed to take the arm in the sling and toss it as I fell backwards and landed softly on my luggage. <laughs> That's just like a crazy story right there. As an aside, he continues, with all of us being journalists of sorts, while reading the biography of Walter Cronkite, I found that during the Battle of the Bulge, he was based in the hotel we stayed at in Luxembourg City, the Hotel Cravat, called Cravat Hotel during his stay. Hopefully we can return to Lux Luxembourg soon. I am entered in the Berlin Marathon and perhaps I can swing over to Luxembourg with Harry, Mary and my girlfriend Liz. I also would like to run the ING Nighttime Marathon in the future, perhaps as a citizen. It was a great episode and everybody should be proud of how it turned out, especially you, Roy. So Roy said that we should be proud. We can only be proud because of his connection. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. That's uh, So if that made no sense to you, that means you did not listen to Mary's episode last week. So we would appreciate it after this is done playing that you go back to last week's ep actually two weeks ago, excuse me, and listen to Mary's episode. Go back to last week's episode and listen to Lucas's story because what he's going through right now is totally incredible and not your typical college experience. As for you all, until next Friday, keep on running. <laughs>